Good morning. Wow. I was uh, reminded in first service during worship uh, about a vision God had given me when I was a teenager. I want to say 17, 18. And he gave me a vision that I would be speaking in front of a large group. And I knew it had to revolve around church. And I just had no clue on how that would wind up. And that can be scary to a 17 and 18 year old. And I wanted to speak to the teenagers here today. If God's given you a vision of who you're going to be that could be 10 to 15 years from now, wait on it. Trust God. Trust Him in the process. I can tell you in the relationship I was in, I was trying to make things work just so that I could fix it to make it the way that I thought it should be, but I was trying to force a situation that wasn't meant to be. Fortunately, that relationship ended. From February to May, I met Joel. Now, I can tell you that it wasn't exactly a large group because there was four people at that time when I met him. But I can tell you that there were seeds planted along the path. I don't take being up here lightly. Matter of fact, I sat down in, right before first service. I uh, was already mic'd, sat down, and literally like went straight through my head. You can run out the back door right now. <laughs> I was like, not now. Not now. Teenagers in the room, trust God. Trust Him in the process. Believe in what God can do through you. And parents... Give them the ability to trust God and not knock them off their feet. As parents, sometimes we think that our job is to create reality when reality is not what God asked you to do. So be that, do that, and be who God's called you to be. So as we get started this morning, I wanted to also uh, just remind everyone that we're in a, a series called Flip Flop and that what we're talking about is just like when we remodel a house or we watch HGTV, God bless America. As Pastor Joel mentioned last week, it was his is ESPN, mine is HGTV when we have our background noise going on in the background and stuff. So just like we do those things physically, God allows us to have a flip in our flop. Because just like a flip, when you flip a house, you know that the outcome is going to be better than what you started with, right? That's the end game. But as you grow in your relationship with God, you know that you're going to flip into other situations that is going to grow you, that's going to bring you out of what you've called, what he's called you to be. So as we go through this, I wanted you to understand that we're going to tackle this account in the Bible. And we're going to do the best that we can with everything that we have to battle. And we have to present it to God in such a fashion that we have to allow our flesh to die sometimes minute by minute and day by day. And as we see this picture unfold, I want you to realize that just like the disciples, you too can have an encounter with God this morning. And it can be very real. It can be an encounter that will alter and change your life. So go ahead and open up to Mark 
chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. It says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. For they saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Let me pray real quick. Father God, I just want to ask you right now, God, that you would call to remembrance those things that we need to let go of, release our control of, God, allow those things to remind us that maybe we've held on too tightly to the situation in fear that we would lose control when ultimately our feeling of loss and control is actually our trust in you. So God, we ask right now that your Holy Spirit be present, that you allow us to see you in every aspect of our life and that we encounter you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's interesting when we do a flip and a flop. Even when we do it in a house, there's a lot of knowledge that you obtain about a house. Because, like, I really didn't realize how many contractors it takes to put a house together. Like, seriously? Like, can one person get a license in every trade and just do the whole thing? Because I was like, how many people do I have to pay to just put, you know, a bathtub in? There's, like, four contractors involved with that. I about, like, seriously? Like, somebody, help me out here, you know? And so... There comes knowledge with that. Now, also through our remodel came a lot of experience. A lot. And that's exactly what we're going to do here. We're going to realize that we have a lot of knowledge. We're going to realize that the experiences that we've had in our life and who we are. Let me take this earring off. There we go. Let us know what we are about and who is actually giving us the authority to function in our life. You know, Jesus had already created a pathway for his disciples. Just in chapter 6, he had a plan. It starts out with them in Nazareth, where Jesus is rejected. That was his hometown. They were too familiar with him. I know you're Joseph's son. I know who you are. I know what you did. Sound familiar? Why is it that we have to point out our faults in each other then rather than building each other up into who they are? Because if Jesus got rejected, we all know what it's like when we get rejected by family. When we get rejected by those friends that so-called, then all of a sudden when you've had an experience and they're still in, stuck in the old way of life, and it's like, hello, I can give you 
the living water and I can experience, help you experience it. But here, they needed the authority of Jesus in the disciples because at this point, Jesus realizes it's going to be better for them to go out two by two to have the authority that he possesses to do these miracles. He sends them out. He gives them the authority over unclean spirits, and he, they go. They scatter. They're gone. They create moments and experiences with the Almighty God. Jesus sends the 12 out. They're gone. He sends them. Then also, the death of John the Baptist. It was dear to them. He, that was a loved man of God by these men, and they were sad and alone and felt like everything had been taken from them. You know, I find it interesting that even yet, they're in Nazareth, they're north, they're by the Sea of Galilee. John the Baptist was in King Herod's palace where he was beheaded. The disciples left Nazareth and went down to King Herod's palace to take his body and go back up. 90 miles one way, 90 miles back the other way. I don't know about you, but that would be like terrible on foot. That would be tiring. How many times do we deal with our storms that we realize that I'm tired? This is tiring to fight the same battle over and over again. But they did the journey. They had that journey ahead of them. They come back to Jesus and they, they tell Jesus everything that they've done. So they've told, he, they're, they're just spitting out everything, all the miracles that they've done, all of the things that they've been able to encounter with the people that are in that area. And then about John the Baptist. It says immediately they got in the boat to cross the, the Sea of Galilee. I can't imagine what Jesus' emotions were going through at that moment, and I can't imagine what the disciples were feeling, but this is what's leading up to just even feeding the 5,000. So we got the 5,000 when we get over. You know, they got into the boat to go to a desolate place. We do tend to get in a desolate place. A desolate place. There's times, too, when I know that even for the blessings that I have prayed for, I have also experienced that, did I really mean to pray for that? Because, goodness. You know, it took four years to get pregnant with uh, Caleb, and, and uh, all that we were experiencing at that time was a lot of heartache. I can confess that I did go through um, depression. Um, Felt everything was wrong with me and not anything else, and I took it all on myself. Prayed fervently for a child. <laughs> now he's nine. Lord, help me. I love you, babe. But isn't that true? We pray for things, and then all of a sudden go, oh, I didn't mean that. Like, I thought this was going to be easier. Nope, not today. But Jesus is there. He's with you. He hasn't left you. He's there. So they get to the other side, and ta-da, there's 
5,000 people that are there because they thought they were going to a desolate place. And I can assume that they were in Tiberias because that's the closest to Nazareth. And they went across direct east, which was eight miles. They rode their boat the whole way there. That would be tiring. All these disciples and Jesus in a boat, it's crowded, it's stanky, it's hot, it's salty. There was a little salt in this one, not as much as the Dead Sea, but it was, ugh. Imagine the dust, the dirt, the grime, the humidity. Ugh. I just, ugh. I'm not an outside girl. It just gets me. But, you know, they get there, and they have to figure out what to do. Jesus had already given these guys authority. He had already given them the tools that they needed to be able to do what was in front of them. You know, they do everything in their power to control this crowd. They do all that they can to prepare them, to heal them, to give them favor, to give them blessings. They are want, pull, need, 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 want, pull. I can tell you that's emotional when you have kids. I can't imagine when there's a whole bunch of grown adults that are pushing and pulling. Let me tell you, word, right? Like, phew. Sometimes you just sit in the bathroom thinking, please don't find me. Please don't find me. And then somehow or another, I'm going to the bathroom. Leave me alone. Like, you know, the fear of them seeing mom undressed, you know. <sighs> but, you know, so many people in a desolate place, no food, right? So they feed them. But what happened after they fed them? There was leftovers, right? Visual learner, right? Jesus made them pick it all up. He told the disciples, if you go into Matthew, it says Jesus asked them to pick it all up. They are picking it up. That was a seed. That was a seed. Now, Jesus can tell that the disciples, they're not good. He says, I need y'all to go get in the boat. I'm going to take care of these people, and I'm going to send them on their way and tell them goodbye and do whatever else they need, and then I'll meet up with you. Tells them to get in the boat. You know, the disciples got in that boat and they had to turn around and see a man who wanted more for them than he wanted for himself. Mm. As a human being, I know that we do not fathom what that feels like. We think we do. But we've not been persecuted enough to even know that we are capable of even fathoming how deep Jesus' love really is. It's so deep. Because here's what happened. Jesus was just as tired as them. He's in an earthly body just like you are. His muscles tire out. He walks. But he's got to go back to the Father for strength, right? He's going to go into the mountain and pray. He's going to find out exactly where it is that he gets his strength because he knows that he can ask the Father for anything. And this is when he goes. The disciples have gone. He is now up in the mountain. So 
you know that Jesus can take everything and turn it into something else, right? A lot of the times we forget to take our burdens, take our sickness, to take our faults, to take our depression, to take everything that makes us unlike him. You know, that's what happened when he died on the cross. But when he rose again, oh my goodness. He gave us everything. He gave us faithfulness. He gave us health. He gave us boldness. He gave us confidence. He gave us everything. But what happened yesterday when all of a sudden I went, oh, I don't feel good. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I don't have any money in my bank account. Well, you're in control of that. What happened when we continue to go back to what Jesus took away that we cannot see what he gave us. Every situation is an opportunity to know that you have the authority to speak life, not death. Sometimes we get into a venting rant and we decide that we're just gonna keep speaking death over everything. That's when the Bible says it's just better not to say nothing at all. Just keep them thoughts to yourself. Because a lot of the times, our circumstance is changed by our voice. Mm. But also, we realize that our surroundings dictate what comes out of our mouth the quickest. Is that not the truth? If you're around people that are not Christians, and I'm not saying not to be around them, but if you're consistently around people that do not honor God, your tendency will start to pick up what they do. If you're around people that do honor God, how much easier is it to believe in the promises of God? Oh. Be who God's asked you to be. He died for a reason. Don't take it in vain. Don't make it as if he died in vain because that you don't realize what he has given. And I'm going to sit here and say that I have to repent. This was so much more than just a Bible story for me. God showed me so much in what I can choose and where I can be and how I can choose my path, I can choose my decisions, I can dictate how happy or sad I can be in a situation. I have found joy in the deepest of sorrow. I remember walking out of the doctor's office after hearing my baby had no heartbeat sitting in the car I, t I told Joel I said I'm not angry at God I had so much peace but tears 
coming down. But there was peace in the moment. There was joy in the moment. I'm not saying that I was laughing. I'm saying that I had joy that the Lord was going to take care of my sorrow and he was going to take it and move it somewhere else because I was not going to dwell in that house. I was not going to dwell where it is that I believe that I've been taken away from. It is your decision on what you put in and what you take in. You can hear and you can see. That's why it is so important to teach young boys what it's like to have a sacred marriage. That you don't have to turn to magazines and internet websites. You don't have to turn to a bunch of different relationships. It is so important to grasp how important it is that we are raising the next generation because if we are only converting 3% of the United States to Christians, I bet you there's some other religions that are increasing much quicker. We have to rise up. We have to take authority in what we've got. It's time that we do that. But I know that we have to first start with putting what is good inside of us, and we have to start putting what is ordained by God inside of our mind, because if we keep infiltrating the same thing over and over that has not got the correct results, we will lose the battle. I used to watch a television show all the time when it was in the, oh, okay, plug y'all's ears, 90s. And it was the Friends show. I think we can all remember that show. I, you know, I thought it was a fun show. I thought it was clean enough to watch. You know, it's only 30 minutes, but it was on all the stinking time after it went off the air, you know? You could turn on TBS, and it was like 10 episodes you know, all day. But I got to where I could repeat versions of the shows in my own life circumstance. Then I said them out loud, and then Joel was like, what? And I was like, oh. So I had to kind of keep them to myself, and then I realized, this is kind of silly. I kind of probably need to stop watching the show. But you know, there's a difference that we have to make when we put things in, because if we are not recognizing what we're putting in and what we're allowing to come in, it will change us. It's important to know <clears throat> that what we take in requires us to sometimes sacrifice and not go with the crowd. You know, when the disciples got in the boat, they had to turn around and see a man that was left there alone. I kind of would think that would tend to be a little awkward if you're leaving the person that you love the most to deal with a massive crowd. I was at Pink Impact last week. They said there was 4,000 people in the sanctuary there. 4,000 women leaving the same place and going to dinner at the same time. Like, help me, you know? It's like, finally you just give up and sit in the car until you pull out of your parking space and kind of let everybody kind of clear out because you had to walk a mile and a half to get to your car. I'm being facetious. It wasn't that far. 
felt like it, especially in that cold wind that was that weekend. But that's a lot of people they're leaving Jesus with. How awkward would it feel to have just left and go, I'm more important. But he did say go. But then maybe I should have said I should have stayed. I don't know. But you know what? Here's the difference. They knew that they were leaving the crowd with a man that was fully capable, that was fully able to, turn, to carry everybody's burdens. He was fully capable of being able to heal the masses. He was fully capable of keeping the crowd under control. There was no panic in this man, no anxiety in this man. He was fully capable, and that's what the disciples knew that they were leaving behind. I can tell you that there's been situations in my life where I have dealt with things that I've had to go back and go, okay, that was a little awkward. I did not realize I was, you know, putting my flesh above whatever uh, God's word says. And, and uh, you know, during our remodel, it was, it got cray cray. So many things going on. So many aspects that I did not realize, and then I had to go, I asked for this, you know? Um, it's amazing to see the process when you can turn around and look. But when you're in the middle of it, it feels like everything is just, whew. one tiny thing can ripple effect to others. And then all of a sudden, you've got this explosion. We were almost done almost done. We were on the last day. The banker was going to come that afternoon just to make sure, do a walkthrough to see, make sure everything was complete. The contractor that we had hired <clears throat> did not show up. Called several times. His helper was there. He had no clue where the contractor was, and the helper relied on the contractor to tell him what to do. He was very adamant that he was not going to do anything without this man telling him what to do. <laughs> like, okay. So I'm kind of falling apart. I'm not, there's no kind of to it. I was falling apart because I'm like, this is the last day. Like, we were on a timeline, people. Like, can you not understand that we're on a timeline? Yeah, I think sometimes we do that with God too, don't we? Like, God, we, God you know better. But you know, I went to another room in the house. I think mom was washing windows in this room. And I just, I collapsed in the floor in the corner thinking maybe Joel would not find me so I could cry right there and just like fall apart because I knew that I asked for this, right? <laughs> I'm like, hold it together. Oh, there's this whole sermon in that one too. Now, you know, after I, Joel found me and I kind of pulled myself back together, I had uh, sent a text message to a friend and I was like, hey, listen, do you know, not sure that I was actually like, hey, listen, but you know, do you know anybody that could help us last minute? You know, like, this is what's happened. I need somebody to come. I just need a few things. It's going to take a couple hours. It shouldn't take long, whatever it is. So maybe an hour passes. I have no clue. Because remember, I'm distraught. There is no time element in a distraught woman, let me tell you. Everything seems like an hour. Every minute seems like an hour. But the most awesome, deliberating, 
just the most awesome thing. Our friend showed up with his crew in my driveway. I had no intention of that happening. I knew he was busy. I did not expect him to drop what he was doing and help me. I just wanted a name or a number of somebody that could help. You know, they, they got in, they fixed what they um, needed to in order for the banker to walk through in just a couple of hours and they were gone. But you know what the difference between the contractor and the friend was? A relationship. I had no relationship with the contractor that was to keep me bound to him. You could say it was money. That isn't always the case. But when you have a relationship with a friend, you have spent time, you have spent effort, you have spent money, but you have spent so much things that are so much more valuable than what you're ever gonna pick up off the street from an anonymous person. What is it that we do not allow ourselves to experience with God that we do not understand that we have to invite him in. He has to be invited in. He has to be recognized in the situation. It was awkward for me to send that text message, but it's also going to be more awkward if we don't recognize when we are pulling God out of the situation where we need to be bringing him in. You're going to have to have those awkward conversations with yourself. Yes, I said talk to yourself because I do it all the time, out loud sometimes too. I just have to look at people and go, I'm sorry. I'm just talking out loud. Then you process. Verbal processor. But you know, all that we have, everything that the disciples had, they had the authority. They had the ability. They had everything already instilled inside of them. In Mark 6, 46, it starts and says, After he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by. You know, there's two things that can happen when someone prays. Jesus went on the prey on the mountain, and he had to figure out what exactly was going on with the disciples, but he also needed to be filled back up. Sometimes a storm can drain you. Sometimes everything around you can take things away from you that you did not mean to be taken and can cause such much turmoil that you lose sight of really what is going on. Can't see the forest through the trees? Too close. Two things happen when you pray. God can change your attitude by reminding you of scriptures that will life alter your situation and bring you peace like nobody's business. Second, God can change your surroundings. I didn't say he was going to change people. Did not say that. But he can ask people to obey him, to provide you the encouragement that you need. 
So important for the body of Christ to understand that they too are important. It's important for us to obey. It's important for us to understand that we have to obey the Lord the first time. It doesn't take the third time. It doesn't take laying the fleece out and going, hey, if you, if you do this, I'll do that. Jump on it because the blessings are so much greater if you just jump on it. You know, it says, whatever... There's so much that we miss out on that we do not realize how much God has already done. You know, I've looked at my life and I've realized that I'm not grateful for most of the things that He has done. And it's the simplest things. Sometimes mowing the yard can be a little bit tedious or that we hate it. Hate getting dirty and sweaty. Sorry, that's me. But we have a yard the kids can play in. We have space that allows us to do the freedoms that most people don't have. We are needing to understand that when the disciples were in the boat, their view was changed. You have to choose to see life through Jesus' eyes. See, everything around them was affected. Everything around them was affected. They may have been tired, and they may have been just irritated by what all has happened in the day. But their view around them was dictating how they had their authority. The waves crashing in, cold as they may be, blisters on their hands from rowing the boat, tired from all the journeys that they've already made because they thought they would be getting rest in a place that was desolate but wound up having thousands of people there wanting more. Their view was changed. Jesus comes along. Walks up. I can only imagine what he's thinking right now. He's like, them crazy dudes. Like, what are they doing? They picked up all this stuff that was left over from feeding the 5,000. They saw what I did. I gave them authority over unclean spirits. And they went out and did them. Why are they struggling? They had the authority. What happened? Their flesh got in the way. Their emotions got in the way. Their attitude got in the way. 
How many times do our storms around us change the aspect of who we are and then we have to back up and have that awkward moment with God and go, oh God, that was not me. I did not mean to do that. God, I am so sorry I did that. It is your turn to figure out if you're going to call life into the situation or if you're going to call death into the situation. Because if you're going to continue to call death into the situation, then you might as well just continue the way that you are. There is no effect on what you can do as a human being on your own situation. It is the spirit inside of you that lives that will change the situation. It is that in you that will attack the devil's schemes. I heard something at Pink Impact and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. When a lion roars, it roars because it is wounded, old, or tired. The devil roams like a roaring lion. He knows he's defeated. Why do we act like we live in this world trying to defeat it ourselves? Hey, I'm speaking of myself right now. I try to control everything in my life, if not have a plan. And sometimes I just have to let go and let God. The view has got to change, guys. You've got the authority inside of you. You have it inside of you to move up, to stand up with your shoulders back and stand tall because you know who you serve don't forget what he did on the cross by taking everything away because when he rose he gave so much more that we can and will live a life for him in a good way we don't have to struggle. I live with things in my own life that I have to call authority over. Matter of fact, I'm getting an MRI on my foot on Wednesday because it hasn't healed from a two-year-ago injury in this building because I'm stubborn like that. But I'm up here with heels on, knowing that when I take them off, my foot is going to hurt. So either I can say, my foot is going to hurt the rest of the day and maybe tomorrow, or I can say, foot, I command you to heal. That may sound even more awkward to you. If Jesus died on the cross, we have to stand in the authority that he's given us or his death was in vain. He gave it. He gave it freely. He gave it all. So the flip to all of this, of them being in the water, everything around, the flip, Jesus is right there. He says, uh, they saw him and were terrified. Again, their attitude was changed. They weren't expecting him. They thought he'd show up on the land, not in the water. 
Heaven forbid Jesus would show up where we didn't expect him to. Oh, that's not how Jesus does things. Oh, that Holy Spirit. He does that? You mean that's real? That's just not on TV? Okay, I'll stop there. They thought he was a ghost. What did Jesus say? It is I. It is me. It's yours. You're, I, it's me. Do not be afraid. Why is it that we can be afraid of everything around us and we forget about the one true God? And he got in the boat. The waves stopped. The wind stopped. It all came together. And the disciples were shocked. It's time to stop being shocked when God heals you. It's time to be sh- stop being shocked when the ways of the world change. It's time to be... It is time to stand in the confidence of who you are and expect God to show up because he will. There is a spirit of expectancy that needs to be on you to be able to reveal what it is inside of you that he is trying to pull out. Because there are things that hinder you. There are things in life that hold you back. Yes, but you know what? All you've got to do is give them. Because he took them, remember? Just give them back. All the things that he gave us, he gave when he rose. We have to remember that those things are already in us. And I know I'm harping on this, but I feel like it's time that we understand that we have to operate the way that he has asked us to, because if we do not, we are gonna lose this United States as a Christian country. Because honestly, it all starts with just you. That's it. This is not about changing the world. Just you. If you can be confident, if you can obey the Lord the first time he asks, whoo, that's going to change the world. So the leftovers, expect the authority to change everything. The everything in your world will change. Your attitude, your thoughts, everything. Even your surroundings will change because the people around you will notice that you're operating confidently with boldness with who you are. I love that when Jesus got in the boat, he never once spoke to the wind. What did he tell them to do? Do not be afraid. Then he got in the boat. Fear will keep you from seeing what it is that God's asking you to do. And he will keep you from experiencing the fruits of the Holy Spirit at that. Do you want joy? Stop being afraid. You want peace? Stop being afraid. Do you want self-confidence? Stop being afraid. Time to stand up. 
It's time to take your authority and recognize who you are. Because if you won't, there are things that the world will continue to take from you until you cannot handle it anymore and the world will take you. And I'm not meaning just Satan. I'm meaning just the world. We're in a broken world. It's fallen. Things happen. Bad things happen. But it is our turn. It is our turn to stand up and understand that we need to understand what God needs us to do. So let's flip your fear into an authoritative confidence with him and make it possible because with him all things are possible it's time for us to take a hold of God's promises I'm telling you like the song I pulled up the lyrics to Waymaker and it was the miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's light in the darkness. Is that really who he is to you? Mean the words that say and come out of your mouth. So everybody rise up. that confidence to operate in the authority of Christ. The ministers are on the, along the walls to activate you. Because here's, here's where you need to understand is that if you set today as the time and place, you can recall when it happened. That's why this is important. Yes, you can pray and you can ask God to give you all the authority that you can. But when you make a step of faith, that's going to make a change in you. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you don't know what this authority is like, please come. We want to talk to you. We want you to understand what it means to live a life with Christ. There's also the communion table over here to the, my left, your right. If you need to seal something with the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus, now's your time. Today's the time to turn off the fear and stop being afraid. Now's the time to walk in that authority and be who God has called you to be. Father God, we thank you that you are the miracle worker. God, we thank you that you are the promise keeper and that you can never you can never break a promise. So God, we ask right now that your Holy Spirit would move, God. God, that you would allow us to see that we can reconcile ourselves to you and walk in the authority that you have given us. So Father, we praise you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Move now and see that what God can do for you.